Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Here's what I have. I have three particular stories to bring up in this episode, but I want to start off by saying this. In the last episode, a couple of updates, basically. I, was, I, I mentioned Alex Stein in the last episode, and I said, you know, one of the last times when he was running up to Dan Crenshaw and just name-calling. I think I said something like, you know, we need to hit him with the facts instead of name calling. The name calling, again, it might help somebody. It might bring attention to someone, uh, bring attention to these corrupt politicians and and draw certain people in. But hitting him with the facts is going to hurt more. Uh, Turns out Alex Stein did that very thing. He went up to Ted Cruz uh, recently, I believe. I certainly saw the video, but he he walked up to Ted Cruz and. and he let him have it. Called him a globalist. Said uh, you care more about the Russian-Ukrainian border than you do the border between Mexico and Texas. I mean, and that was it. And then, of course, all the handlers got in front of Alex, and people started shouting at him and telling him to leave and whatever else. That right there is perfect, because again, the facts hurt more than name calling, and hitting people with the facts is always just going to hurt more. So if you're going to confront a politician, that's how you make them feel awkward. Again, the name calling, again, it, it's, it's certainly for someone, but hitting with the facts is just a whole lot better, I think. And it has way more of an impact because, again, it's an, it's an educational opportunity, so to speak. A lot of people are going to say, well, wait a minute, Ted Cruz cares more about this and, you know, than he does that? Well, yeah. Alex Stein even looked at him and said, uh, you know, remember when you were in Cancun vacationing, when, when all the snow was falling in Texas and people were losing power and freezing to death? I mean, it was perfect. It was perfect. Because it takes some, a, a very serious event from the past, brings it right to the present again, and reminds everybody of the importance of it. So I liked it. And again, I, I applaud Alex Stein for that. It, that was well done. Very well done. Okay. Here's the next thing. This has to do, again, with Simone Gold a little bit, but more specifically, her creative director or the creative director for America's Frontline Doctors, this John Strand guy. John Strand, you may recall from roughly a year ago, I brought him up. This was, this was the guy who was sort of at the forefront of organizing particular things for America's Frontline Doctors, apparently. Uh, this guy is a washed up actor and model and quote unquote writer out of Los Angeles. This was also the guy during that White Coat Summit who was singing at the top of his lungs, We Are the World, as he's walking around in the crowd behind the cameras and everything. It was ridiculous. Um, according to prosecutors for Simone Gold's case, this is the guy who is her boyfriend. Now, I was under the impression, again, that Simone Gold had at least two children, but this guy is roughly half her age, if I had to take a guess. Uh, what else? He seems gay to me. That's just my take. I've seen the way the guy dresses, and I'm going, wait a minute. Something, something's not right here. Here's the real reason I'm bringing this up, though, with all that aside. He's, on, he's going to be on trial, too, I believe, in July, the middle or end of July, and has allegedly not taken a plea deal, 
at least not yet. I'm sure he'll get squeezed and then he'll start apologizing like nobody's business. But he was there with Simone Gold when they entered the Capitol building on January 6th, and he was the one doing the filming. I mean, it was evident that, again, the, these handlers and these clinger-ons, I, 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 don't, I don't understand it. I really don't. This is not a guy with any medical background nor education from what I can tell. And he's just always around. He wears skin-tight suits, and he's just always around Simone Gold. Again, you know, I, I don't know their relationship. I'm not even going to speculate because I don't care. It, again, it just seems odd. The, the whole thing just seems really weird. Um, he apparently has no problem taking donation money. He has to be making a living somehow. He's not, I mean, they're getting money somehow. So, again, like most charities, quote-unquote, I, I would encourage people to take things like this into consideration that when you donate money to, to people like this and places like this and organizations like this, I mean, you're, you're giving money directly to them. They're taking that money. They're spending it on clothes. They're spending it on automobiles. They're spending it on whatever they're spending it on. And they're showing you what they're spending it on. I mean, the guy has an Instagram account and you know, he's wearing, again, skin-tight suits and, and all weird shorts, and I, I don't know, it's, it's odd. The whole thing is just very odd. So keep an eye out for that, too, as to whether or not I think uh, he's going to take some kind of a plea deal so he gets less time. But again, if you're a handler or you're associated with, with a doctor who's at the forefront of something like this, why would you encourage her or anybody else to enter that building at that time when there was clearly Antifa everywhere. So I'm speculating here and theorizing. It seems like it was a giant setup. If I was around Simone Gold at that time, which I never would be, but if I was, I'd have said, look, you didn't get the opportunity to give your speech because the stage was taken down outside. Let's do something else. Let's not go into that building because as you can clearly see, there's a mob there's windows being broken, and there's Antifa everywhere. That's not a good place for us. How about we just go over here, further away from everything, and you can give your speech on film, and then that will be good enough. See, instead of doing that, either he encouraged her to go in, she encouraged both of them to go in, they both went in, they both weren't thinking, and then there you have it. Now, of course, they're both on trial. She's going to jail, allegedly, and, and he, he probably will, too, because, again, he was there. I understand that there are people going after them because of, uh, you, know, you know, their, their association with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and, what, and whatever. But it's, uh, I, I don't know. I'm rambling at this point. I just think it's odd. That's all. The, the whole thing is weird. And um, they clearly weren't thinking again, and it's evident that neither one of them is awake, because anybody who was awake would not have gotten sucked up in that wave of, uh, of movement that, that existed on, on January 6th. The thing had false flag written all over it. It had hoax written all over it. It had, again, honey trap written all over it. So, yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. But, but one more thing. Th that right there should prove, though, that. Again, Dr. Lee Merritt and Dr. Stella Emanuel have distanced themselves from America's frontline doctors, and as far as, I'm, as, far as I know, they're not associated anymore. I mean, they, they just, 
the two of them are more far more useful than and and far more awake than the others. In fact, again, Dr. Lee Merritt and Dr. Stella Emanuel are very awake, and I mean very awake. Stella Emanuel's busy doing her own thing. She's not even again even associating with it. Same thing with Lee Merritt, and that right there again should prove to people that you know when groups like that get together. There are some people in those groups that are worth following, but then you've got to be able to make decisions about who to let go and who to not follow. And it was just beyond evident to me, again, when I was there uh, in San Antonio last year, that Dr. Lee Merritt was ahead of the curve. And when she spoke, people listened. Again, Simone Gold is very repetitive, was saying the same thing over and over and over again, going, why? Why is this happening? I just don't understand why this is happening. And I'm saying to myself, what do you mean you don't know? It's called depopulation. That's the whole point. It's just called depopulation. Start with that, and then you can work your way to higher levels of, of consciousness to understand what's really going on. Stella Emanuel, same thing. Dr. Stella Emanuel's always been there. She's always been on that wavelength of it's depopulation. Watch out. And she, again, she's got her own thing going. And I applaud her. I've always, I've always loved her, uh, and she's doing, she's doing a great job. So, okay, that, th that's enough of that. There's really no reason for me to bring it up. I might bring it up later in the future um, regarding the John Strand guy and, and whether or not he actually goes to jail or not or what his conviction may or may not be. Okay, with that said, uh, breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, quote-unquote, uh, I don't know if you've heard this or not, but all of the sudden, there's a magical photograph that, that changes the entire story in Uvalde. And it's more evidence, ladies and gentlemen, that there was an actual shooting. There was an actual shooting in Uvalde, Texas, based on one photograph from a surveillance camera. There's no surveillance footage. There's a magical photograph from surveillance footage. But ladies and gentlemen, that's all we need to believe that there was a shooting. I'm kidding, of course, there was not a shooting. The whole thing was a hoax. The entire thing was fake. But this right here proves that there's yet another website where people claim to be awake, and yet they are dead asleep. This website is the conservativetreehouse.com, the last refuge, ragtag bunch of conservative misfits. Here's the title of the article. CCTV video shows Uvalde police unit with heavy weapons and ballistic shield inside school 19 minutes after shooter entered. Police waited another 58 minutes before engaging shooter. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. No one was engaged because no one was inside. There was no shooter. This is absolutely insane that people are still falling for this. And the, the local news media, KVUE, has outlined a new timeline with the details from the CCTV system. They're taking a photograph and they're changing the whole story again. They're changing the entire timeline again. And the gaslighting is incredible, but that's because these dummies actually think someone died there. Now, I'm going to describe this picture. I even put it on my gab. It's beyond embarrassing. It has a timestamp of 11.52.28. Now, see, I was under the impression that the shooting was all done at 
that that was the initial story. Now that's all changed. Pretty weird. Seems pretty weird. Here's the picture. In the picture, you can see four, uh, five police officers. There are three on the left-hand side. There's a shoe of one police officer standing to the right. And you see this long hallway. We assume this is inside of the school building. It, could, it, it might not be. This could be anywhere for all I know. But either way, you've got a police officer, and it looks like he's standing up. And the bulletproof SWAT shield is on the ground. It's sitting on the ground. No one's even holding it. And they're just standing there looking very casual. The cop on the left has got his gun, finger off the trigger, barrel pointed to the ground with his left hand on the corner of the hallway there and uh, looking real calm. No problem. Real calm. There's nothing in the hallway. Absolutely nothing. No people, no blood, no bullet holes. Nobody. Well, they were all in the classroom, Sean. They were all in the classroom, and everybody was in the classroom, and all the doors were locked. If all the doors were locked, how did the shooter get inside? Did he shoot his way in? Because if he shot his way in, I should be able to see shell casings all over this floor. But that's not what happened, because there was no shooting. Again, the picture proves nothing. It just provides more crumbs for the dummies to just eat off the floor because this is their wavelength of thought. They're so weak mentally that they actually think something happened here. I know I'm getting harsher with my tone on this and almost just flat out making fun of the people who think there was a shooting, but I need you to listen to this audio from this uh, local news station. Because this is the tone of these individuals, because they sound handicapped. They sound absolutely handicapped. Um, it's, it's alarming. I, I'm just going to play it and just listen to their tone. Listen to these three nitwits sitting at this table. R marks four weeks since 19 students and two teachers were murdered inside of Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. And this photo, obtained by KVU News and the Austin American Statesman, is giving us a closer look at the police response that's been under so much scrutiny. KVU senior reporter Tony Bilhaski joins us now tonight. And Tony, we want to preface all of this by saying to viewers, that the details you're about to tell us are very hard to hear, but that this photo is our first look inside the school on May 24th. Buckle up. I hope you're sitting down and, you know, you're monitoring your breath and you have a heart rate monitor because these details are about to be remarkably dramatic. Let us do the thinking for you because we're smarter than you are and we sit at a desk and wear cocktail dresses and suits. But listen to us, because we know what's happening. Now listen to this audio, because this guy's convincing. And it's so significant because it really broadens our understanding of what happened and the police response that terrible day. The main headline to come out of this is that we now know that police officers had rifles as well as at least one ballistic vest uh, within about 19 minutes 
after first arriving at that school. You can see in this photograph that an officer to the left had that high-powered weapon and that the officer on the right had a ballistic shield. The timing is important. This is at 11.52 in the morning, 19 minutes after the gunman entered the school. But keep in mind, this is based on a new calculation and a new timeline that I was able to review today. It took another 58 minutes before officers eventually stormed the classroom. I want to walk you through this new timeline. This is according to investigators that they have put together. The gunman got to Rob Elementary School at 11.28 a.m., crashing his grandmother's truck outside and exiting with a rifle and a bag full of ammunition. They say he fired shots at witnesses nearby. At 11.30 a.m., police got their first 911 call about the crash and shots fired. Just two minutes later, that's when the killer hopped a fence at the school and shoots at the building. One minute later, 11.33 a.m., he entered the school through an unlocked door unobstructed. At 11.44 a.m., Uvalde City Police and School District Police officers started taking gunfire and moved back to get cover. After this, law enforcement sources tell us that teams on the ground were making calls saying, send all the firepower you can. And this is, of course, where this photograph fits in. 1152, you can see it there on your screen. We see officers standing in the hallway at that elementary school, uh, apparently trying to figure out what to do next. But again, it was not until 58 minutes two minutes shy of an hour at 12.50 p.m. that U.S. Border Patrol tactical teams arrive before making an entry and killing the gunman. So this is just a lot of new information. And I have to be honest with you, it's a lot to make sense of mentally and emotionally, frankly. I am absolutely at my wit's end on this. I'm at my wit's end. (laughs) <laughs> I just, I have to tell you, I got to tell you. Does that guy sound like Perry Mason to anybody? Does he sound like Columbo? I don't think so. I've been through the evidence and it's disturbing. Look, this guy is is nuts. Th- these people are nuts. They've taken the whole timeline and they've moved it ahead at least an entire hour. Based off of what? Based off of a photograph on a camera, they don't even have the actual video footage. Why is that? Where's the audio? Don't have that? It was a flippin' drill. It was fake. The whole thing was fake. But the new story, the new narrative now is that they had the firepower to enter and they failed to do so. Why would that be? Because there was no one in there. There was nothing going on. That's why. As you can clearly see in the picture, they're contemplating what to do next. They have a a very dangerous rifle in his hands. Oh, God. I was under the impression that Rob Elementary School didn't have security cameras because the school district itself said so. It said that the high school had security cameras and that one of the middle schools had security cameras. But it said Rob Elementary and the elementary schools didn't. Weird. 
now all of a sudden there's footage from a security camera and a picture of that footage. The camera is clearly over top of these police officers inside this hallway. I'm wondering whether or not this isn't the high school or that Rob Elementary School actually did have security cameras and they're not telling anybody. Not to mention, why don't you have a photograph of the actual shooter? I thought he was inside the building. Can't get that footage yet? Please. It's so embarrassing. The only thing that's more embarrassing than the crisis actors are these news anchors. No one should be watching local news under any circumstance. It is arguably the dumbest thing on TV. I mean, it's all, everything on TV is dumb for the most part, except for Forged in Fire. That show's kind of cool. But other than that, most things are pretty stupid. And why anybody would actually be listening to this and believing it is nuts. Even he, you can kind of hear it. He kind of says it. It's just perplexing. I just can't for the life of me under, make heads or tails of this. Well, no kidding. Because it's fake and it doesn't make any sense. And if it doesn't make any sense, maybe it didn't happen. Because it didn't happen. Conservative treehouse. Give me a break. You're brain dead. You're brain dead. You live in the matrix. End of story. The comments. Here's the first comment with the most uplikes. It says, quote, weren't the Border Patrol officers the ones who finally entered the classroom and killed the shooter, not the local cops? Question mark. Person replied, yes. That, that's a good question because, again, that proves that the whole story is fake. Because, again, it's like a true-false question on a test in school. We learned this a long time ago. Elementary school is where we first learned true-false questions, I believe. If a piece of the question is false, even the smallest piece, then that means the whole thing is false. That means none of it is true. Every single piece of it has to be true and fit perfectly in order for you to write T as your answer. But if you write F, that means that the smallest piece of it is false. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. But there are still people in the comments section that actually think it happened. And oh my God, just temple rubbing madness. I'm so disappointed. I'm so disappointed in, in all of these websites that just aren't telling the obvious truth. Why aren't they even saying why the entire timeline was moved forward over an hour? Not suspicious in the slightest to anybody. All right, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm done. The Uvalde hoax just continues to get hoaxier. I know it's not a word. It should be, but it just keeps getting hoaxier. I, I don't know what else to say. Um, okay. Education story. Here's the second thing. And this is massive and awesome. Jesse James sent me this from the Dangerous Info podcast. This comes from edweek.org. Keep in mind, edweek.org is a liberal outlet. Without a doubt. Always talking about the good things in education. This is in their section under recruitment and retention. Uh-oh, what's that mean? The title is, How many job openings are there in public schools? Question mark. 
This is great. <laughs> I can't help myself. This is great. Are you ready? They've got a killer chart here, which I tossed up on my Gab account, and it's very telling. Very telling. It says, quote, While teacher shortages have been reported in different regions and different teaching subjects on and off for years, a very large number of open positions in schools overall have been reported in recent months. Huh. Why could that be? According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics data on the state and local government education sector, in February of 2022, there were 380,000 open jobs in schools, the highest number of openings in the past decade. <laughs> Pause for effect. Since April of 2021, only two months, August and September, had fewer than 300,000 open jobs. That's compared with the period from 2012 to the end of 2019, when no month had over 300,000 open jobs. And then the magical blue chart. This chart is incredible. It lists the job openings from 80,000 to darker blue, 380,000. In 2012, there were, and when you hover your, uh, your cursor over each block, each month of the year and each year, it, it shows exactly the number of job openings in education. In January of 2012, of 2012, there were 104,000 job openings in the field of K-12. As of April of 2022, there are 334,000 job openings, with most of the job openings being in, let's see, February of this, of this year. This last February had 380,000, but it's just dark blue. The entire chart over 20, 2021 and 2022 is just dark blue. It's crumbling, ladies and gentlemen. The business is crumbling. And as I said on Gab, let it burn. Just let the whole thing burn. It does not deserve to be saved. It has earned no right to be saved. Let Sodom and Gomorrah just burn. It continues here in the article, the Bureau of Labor Statistics classifies something as a job opening when it meets three conditions. One, a specific position exists and there is work available for that position. No kidding. Number two, the job could start within 30 days. And three, there is active recruiting for workers. The Bureau counts job openings on the last business day of the month rather than cumulatively throughout the month. And yet there's no analysis as to why this is the case. What happened to Education Week? Do we not have any thinking people there? No thinking authors or journalists, quote-unquote? This is embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing and remarkably telling, and I love all of it. I just love all of it. I'm basking in the collapse. The house of cards is falling down. Even Education Week has to bring it up. Even they have to bring it up. They're not going to analyze why. They just have a big, a big picture that says, help wanted. 
They just are mentioning the basic statistics, but the stats don't lie here. They don't lie. Not even the que- they're not even asking the question why. Not even why. That th- those three simple letters with a question mark at the end. They, they don't even want to do that. We know why. It's been brought up on this show countless times. I don't even have to get into it anymore. We know why. The other goofy thing, of course, is that they're probably going to take the lazy way out in any explanation that they provide and say, well, it's just a bunch of baby boomers retiring. Yeah, that's it. It's the old retirement card. We'd better play that one. We'd better start telling people it's just massive retirements and, uh, well, what else can we come up with? Maybe less people want to be teachers and we're having trouble uh, recruiting teachers at the teacher education level, but you know that's probably not it. It's probably just retirements from baby boomers. Absolutely ridiculous. Who would actually believe that? People retire every year, and there's always an influx of individuals that are right there to take their spot. But that's not happening anymore, and that's not going to happen in the future. Again, you've heard me say it, the candle's burning at both ends. There's absolutely nothing that can stop this right now. Nothing. And it's not going to improve. It just won't. It just won't. Uh, All the more reason to homeschool, of course. All the more reason. And this right here is a perfect example. This was a comment that was made to me uh, on Gab. And I just wanted to read it because it's perfect. It says, quote, Seriously, the world is so crazy now. Both my parents were teachers. They were unfortunately liberal, of course but 1900s liberals. I never ever in a million years thought I would be homeschooling my kids, but here I am homeschooling to protect my children from these scary fools and the other kids who have been indoctrinated by their indoctrinated parents, unquote. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. I have yet to meet a single person or talk with a single person or whatever that says, you know what I regret? Homeschooling. I regret it. Biggest mistake I've ever made. I, I, I have not met this person yet. I just haven't. It's arguably the best compliment that I've ever received, or one of, I should say. Very fortunate to receive compliments on this, on this show uh, from listeners and, and everybody else who tunes in. I really do appreciate it. This one, I mean, this one hits the nail on the head, too. That when someone says, you know, I listened to your podcast and now I'm homeschooling, best decision we've ever made. Bang. That's perfect. Absolutely perfect. And I just love that. I love hearing about that. And uh, it's just beyond great. That's all. It's beyond great. Um, okay. Here's, an, here's the third thing. And this is jab-related. This comes from Steve Kirsch's Substack, the Steve Kirsch's newsletter. I wouldn't normally read his stuff, but this is solid, and I'm, and I'm going to give credit where credit's due. This is, this is solid. Um, it's titled, The CDC Says Severe Reactions to the COVID Vaccine Are Rare. That's Not What We Found. Now, this is going to sound a little familiar again because a lot of this has to do with, well, it's going to lead into the last thing, which has to do again with job loss and how... There are help-wanted signs everywhere, and with gas prices where they are, and all of that intentional inflation and intentional uh, monetary loss among Americans, 
they don't want to go to work anymore. But the other reason, of course, is because they're severely injured. That has a lot to do with it, too. So uh, the subtitle to this is a new poll of Americans shows that one percent of people who get the jab, two million Americans over 18, are so seriously COVID vaccine injured that they are unable to hold a job. Now, I got to tell you, I think the stats are worse. That's just me. Because again, anytime I hear of somebody bringing up statistics, I just say to myself, it's got to be worse. Just like the Ed Week article regarding uh, job openings in education. I think it's worse than that. I mean, if we're trusting the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, then we're trusting government. And I don't trust government. So. I, I just think these numbers are worse. I'm going to read through uh, portions of this here. It says, executive summary, the CDC has always maintained that severe reaction to the COVID vaccines are rare. They are clearly not. Uh, since I officially became a misinformation spreader over a year ago, I never believed that statement because I couldn't find any reliable data that confirmed it. On June 20th, 2022, VSRF engaged the services of a professional polling company, Pollfish, to survey 500 people who were selected entirely at random. The implications of what we found in that poll were shocking. At least 2 million Americans over 18 were injured by the COVID vaccine, such that they are unable to hold a job. The U.S. government has never done any research to determine the extent of the injuries caused by the COVID vaccine. Not a vaccine, it's a bioweapon. Um, now we know why. The results of our poll were consistent with an earlier vaccine injury survey by the Israeli government and with the VAERS data, which has been lit up, quote unquote, since January of 2021, telling us the COVID vaccines are the most unsafe vaccines in human history, not vaccines, they're bioweapons. Now we have an independent confirmation that the safety signals in VAERS were accurate, just like we've always said. The number in this poll are, numbers in this poll are absolutely shocking, and there's no way to spin this as a positive. The article includes the full whole fish survey reports and individual response data so that anyone can analyze it themselves. Key results from the poll. It says the following, and there's 10, 10 bullet points here. I'm going to read all 10. Number one, greater than 1% of vaccine respondents reported that they were so severely vaccine injured that they can't hold a job. Greater than 1%, uh, number two, greater than 1% reported that they believe their injuries have shortened their lifespan. Number three, since there are 258 million people over 18 in the United States and 77.3% of the population has at least one jab, there is roughly 200 million jabbed Americans over 18. This means that roughly 2 million Americans have been severely injured. Number four, 14% of the people surveyed said they were vaccine injured. This implies an estimate of over 25 million Americans with a vaccine injury that required a doctor or hospital visit. Number five, it says since only 77% of are vaccinated, a 14% overall rate of vaccine injury is an 18% rate of injury if you were vaccinated. Number six, see, well, yeah, that, that's interesting. 
I, I don't know if 77% are actually vaccinated or not. I know that sometimes in society, it certainly feels like that. In fact, in society, sometimes it feels like it's 100%, but um, I, I really don't know. Either way, they blast through a bunch of statistics here, uh, specifically percentages, so I'm just going to rock through these. Uh, it says, number six, 200 million people, 18 and over, who are vaccinated. So there's a 0.18 injury rate, which equals 36 million vaccine-injured people. Uh, number seven, 23% of the households have a vaccine-injured person. That's massive. If true, that's massive. Uh, number eight, 33% of the extended families have a vaccine-injured person. Number nine, in 80% of the cases where there was a vaccine injury, there was either a doctor's visit or a hospital stay or both. That's also massive. And number 10, nearly 50% of the injured are still impacted today. Yeah, this is toothpaste that you cannot put back in the tube. And as, as you've heard me say, that right there again is the job loss. Um, I've played the audio, you know, I've, I've read, read the articles and, and you've heard from the people directly themselves. Uh, I was excited to get the Moderna jab and now I'm unemployed and I have piles of bills. It's an absolute nightmare. I mean, it's just an absolute nightmare. Um, further down in the article here, it says validation by anecdote. It says a Detroit TV station asked people for stories of the unvaxxed dying from COVID and instead was hammered with over 180,000 stories of vaccine injuries that the station then ignored. If a Detroit TV station can get 180,000 stories of vaccine injuries without even trying, how many vaccine injury stories do you think are out there? I'd guess a lot more than 180,000. Exactly. Exactly. It says, imagine a vaccine so powerful that it can generate 118,000 injuries documented right there. So there are likely at least 10 times more in, that entire in the entire country would be a pretty conservative estimate. Maybe the 180,000 is just from local people in the Detroit area who actually watch local news. I mean, then you're talking about an even smaller section or, you know, an, an even smaller area with massive amounts of, of injuries. Now you take that and you multiply it by, oh, I don't know, how many cities exist in the United States. He ends the article by saying this. He says, the other thing I know is that the scale of this deception is unprecedented. When this unravels, which I have no doubt it will, it will destroy our trust in the medical community, the HHS government agencies like the CDC, FDA, NIH, the mainstream media, Congress, state and local government officials, CEOs who impose vaccine mandates, local health officials, mainstream social networks, fact checkers, the Gates Foundation, Bill Gates, the Rockefeller Foundation, the drug companies, medical boards, clinical trials, medical journals, and more. It says this survey is just one more nail in the coffin of the safe and effective narrative, nothing more, unquote. It's also going to destroy people's trust as it should if they even trust it and why they do is beyond me. American K-12 school boards and universities. It's the education institutions that threw this at people 
and encourage people to not only take them, but coerce them, incentivize them, and even made it quote-unquote mandatory, so people thought, even though it wasn't, um, to, to, to endless individuals who work within those environments, and then, of course, the children who attend. I mean, the very university students, and again, this is, this is a big deal here, but if you recall, again, I've, I've said this, but I'm, it's worth mentioning again, that back in 2021, at the beginning of 2021, they were saying, you know, you have to wait multiple months before you get your second COVID shot. But in less than nine months, for people who hadn't had any shots, if you wanted to attend a university in America, you had to have both shots within one month. And that right there was, I mean, that was the death blow right there. All of the sudden now, these quote-unquote safety guidelines of, well, we need to monitor you and, you know, need to give your body an opportunity to build those antibodies. Don't forget to build those antibodies, ladies and gentlemen. But don't worry, if you're a university student, you need two jabs. And oh, by the way, joke's on you, two jabs isn't uh, the full definition of fully vaccinated. You need a booster also. Again, you'll recall our teacher from Louisiana a number of episodes ago brought this up, that at LSU, to attend LSU, you have to be boosted. There won't be an LSU university in the future because all the students will be dead. I mean, one shot's bad, two's terrible, three, it's game over. It's absolute game over. Four, I mean, my God, I've even brought those people up. <laughs> there's, there's people lining up for a fourth one, and oh, thank God that there are more boosters because I can feel myself getting stronger, said no one ever. Again, the number of people that are going to be attending school board meetings in the future, yelling at school board members because they have lost their child or... They've lost a friend or a colleague or whatever it is because they are dead from the jabs. It's going to take, I mean, that's a few light switches that have to go off inside of the mind of that person in order to make that step and bring that to an actual school board and, and blame them. Because, I mean, let's face it, part of grief has to do with placing blame on people. And there will be parents who will lose children, and they already have. Let's not kid ourselves there either. It's happening as, as I'm talking to you right now. But there are endless parents who are going to lose their children as a result of this. And if just a few switches go off in their mind, and they decide to place blame on American K-12 school boards or their local school boards as a result of these jab injuries and say, well, you were promoting it and you were pushing it and you wanted everybody to take it and you, you wouldn't stop talking about it and you kept talking about it and now my kid's dead. I mean, they're going to do that. That's going to be a thing in the future. It will happen. It's just a matter of when. How many people are going to have to wake up in order for that to ultimately be sort of the next uh, flavor of the month, so to speak, when it comes to online videos? I have no doubt that will happen. Same thing with city councils. People are going to start putting blame, and why not? Why not? Blame them all. I mean, ultimately, personal responsibility is on you. I mean, you're to blame. But the brainwashing is so thick, 
you know, they, they might end up thinking to themselves, well, look, I, I remember these quote unquote political bodies and, and these people that we voted for pushing all of this. I, I wonder if they know how bad it is. See, this is where the liberal snake is going to eat its own tail, I think. Because once this starts happening and the jab injured start showing up to, to, to local government bodies and start telling people, hey, look, I'm jab injured here. My doctors have said this. Again, that would take an awake doctor to admit such a thing. But if they actually did that, I, I guarantee that these left-wing city councils and these left-wing school board members would, would blow it off. They would immediately blow it off. They'd be like, well, it's not our fault. Well, and, and if you're injured, how do you know it's really uh, jab-related? I mean, we're all fine. Look at us. We're all, we're all okay. It's ridiculous. They're not going to accept responsibility. They won't do it. You'll never hear the words, I'm sorry, come out of these people's mouths. It, it won't happen. It just won't happen. But what will happen, and again, it's going to be very interesting to watch, is when those elected officials, so to speak, uh, turn on their own voters. They turn on the very people that have voted for them and supported them this entire time. That's when the proverbial shit is going to hit the fan. Because then they're going to say, well, wait a minute, you know, I, I supported you and I voted for you, but uh, you need to stop talking about this. And they're going to go, no, 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 you're the crazy person. That's why the liberal snake always eats its own tail. They'll eventually just start finger pointing and they'll just be pointing at each other while the rest of us will just be sitting back with a nice cold drink in our hands and relaxing and just watching the entire thing implode. Because again, it's just inevitable. I just think it's inevitable. I think that's going to be a thing. I think that's going to happen. I'm shocked it hasn't happened thus far, and maybe it has, and we just haven't seen these. Uh, we haven't seen these videos yet, but it 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 will be a thing. I I guarantee it. Here's another thing that is definitely happening, and I'm going to end this episode with this. You've heard Dr. Robin McCutcheon on the show here bring this up with regularity. She certainly brought it up the last time that she was on when we were discussing how university students and even staff members can't afford gasoline to, to put in their automobiles to even drive to school to receive a indoctrination or education, depends. But um, now we have individuals throughout the entire United States that don't want to put gas in their cars because they can't afford to go to work. I mean. That's, that's a state of affairs that we've never been in before ever, to my knowledge, that people can't afford to go to work. Here's a post from greatawakening.win. I thought it was remarkably interesting. It's very short, but very telling nonetheless. Even young people who, again, are making minimum wage, they, they can't afford to go to work. It says, quote, it's titled, Words from the Ground. It says, I was in a Nike store this weekend. I heard a part-time employee say, quote, man, I'm only here for 24 hours. That barely pays for gas. If gas gets any higher, it won't even be worth it to come in. I'll just quit, unquote. And then he says what, what he said, and he said the following, quote, people going to flip shit if they can't get to work to pay their bills, unquote. And then the guy working there said, hell yeah, we are, unquote. And then he wrote that the people behind the employee who were other employees there were nodding in agreement. 
He then wrote, I don't travel very far for work, so I never thought how hard inflation is hitting people who travel across town, let alone people who don't get much above minimum wage. The powder keg leans forward a little bit further. Stock up, unquote. Again, yeah, that, that, uh, that is remarkably telling. That's happening. It has to be happening everywhere. Those kinds of conversations have to be happening in almost every place of employment certainly in the most liberal states, but where I live in Southwest Ohio, every single pump, regardless of the type of gasoline, every single pump is well over $5. Again, filling up people's tanks is over a hundred bucks. It's um, in, in far worse than that. And we've, we've seen and heard the footage of individuals, and I'll even play a clip of it right now. Um, diesel gas running out, truckers on the side of the road out of gas because the gas stations don't even have gasoline anymore. So give this a quick listen and uh, get prepared to hear approximately 100 F words in less than a minute. Yo, check this out. I know y'all been hearing this shit on the fucking West Coast, but this shit's going on on the fucking East Coast. I've been stuck on this fucking overpass since yesterday. Fucking gloves over there out of fuel. Pilot over here out of fuel. All these fucking trucks here waiting. Nobody can get fuel. This guy's out of fuel. These guys are lucky. They got some fuel. Luckily, I got a hold of a fucking farmhand now here that's going to sell me 50 gallons of fucking red just so I can get the truck back and park the motherfucker. Everywhere I went, these two fucking major truck stops and fucking mama pops down there everywhere you call, slap empty. So I'm lucky. I don't run DEF, but they don't have any fucking diesel exhaust fluid. They don't even have fucking engine oil in here. It's going to get a lot worse. Y'all better be prepared. It's not inflation. That's not it. It's not inflation. It's not this invisible thing that floats around in the air that people point at and go, it's inflation. See it? It's right there. It's not inflation. It's an intentional. This is a giant intentional. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.